and I don't know. It's like putting it in. We got a night of soul for you. Uh, you are. I'm the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's business. No, I was dumber than that. Something like Rex. It is midnight in Cozy Corner and in Hollywood, California. Pour yourself a cup of coffee, light up an acid-laced cigarette, put your feet up and get ready to howl at the moon. It is time for the late night fright with Dan and Faith right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Tonight is a special edition spotlighting 2019's Quentin Tarantino film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie. Brad Pitt is the shit. I am the coyote. It is time for the late night ride right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. That is, of course, the letter performed by Joe Cocker on the Mad Dogs and Englishman album. And this is, of course, the Late Night Fright with Dan and Faith right here on WKMF, Cozy Corner of Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me, as always, is my very flower child co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. (laughs) I didn't want to call you flower child. That's kind of derogatory (laughs) considering the movie we're talking about tonight, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) See if I can think of uh, something later. My very Cliff Booth co-host, Faith. <laughs> Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. There it is. Faith, what are we talking about today on this special edition of The Late Night Fright? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That is correct. The ninth film from writer-director Quentin Tarantino. This is a good one, isn't it? It's a really good one. It's a real good one. This is why we're doing a special edition on this. We both just saw us. The movie is available digitally now. It was released in theaters on July 26, 2019. This movie was, of course, written and directed by Quentin, as we said, and it stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie. Let's just get into it, Faith. What did you think of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I loved this movie. It was so much is fun, a good word. <laughs> it was just Yeah. It was It's a party. Yeah. It's so entertaining. With that said, there's a lot going on in it. There's a lot yes. of uh, meaning in it. There's a lot of, of things in there. There's a lot of themes, heavy themes right. that are in there. But it's a party. His movies yeah. are <laughs> parties. They're, they're these mixtapes of things that you know you've seen in, in other places and that he likes and his influences all come together. Mm-hmm. And this movie is very much in line with all of those other movies. So I want to go back. 25 years ago, if you can believe that, 25 years ago, he gave us Pulp Fiction. I was 15 years old when that movie came out. I saw that in the theater three times. Wow. Three times I saw it in the theater. Do you know how there's certain moments in your life that you just don't forget? Mm-hmm. And you know that at that moment, your life has changed. Something yes. something is different. 
Was that that moment for you? That was one of them. Yeah, <laughs> that was one of them. Uh, there's a. Are you familiar with the William Faulkner novel The Reavers? Have you heard of The Reavers? That great sounds familiar. Great coming of age story set in the South. Uh, was made into a film starring Steve McQueen. But at the end of the book, the the young kid goes on this journey and he comes back to his little town and everything is the same. He's changed, but everything is the same. And I'll never forget walking out of Pulp Fiction and feeling different and looking around and everything was the exact same. And his movies have always kind of done something for me. Mm -hmm. Like I I just, I I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's that I I get it or it's just his enthusiasm just comes through the, uh, comes through the, the, the films and it's it's wonderful i think his movies are really a sight to behold i think he's I he's he's amazing what do you think of quentin as both uh, a filmmaker and just as a as a dude i think he's awesome i think he's very different he's unique and yeah, he's uh, got a voice yeah yeah i feel like he's very eclectic mm-hmm. in a way I, i'm a huge fan of him yeah i think he's brilliant yeah. i think he's a genius and i mean that in in uh, you know just with the filmmaking but then it's just as a musicologist and a film historian and all these things you know that brain of his right. is working <laughs> all the time and i have a friend who met him uh, a friend of mine is a drummer and he met quentin at a party in new orleans and said That's he was cool. one of the nicest guys you'd ever think to meet like just wasn't really part of the crowd that mm-hmm. was there this kind of you know hoi polloi crowd he was just there uh he was filming django unchained i believe in the area and he said he came up and wanted to speak with the band and just said hello and Told him how much he enjoyed the music, and uh, he got him. Uh, my buddy got him started on music. You know, he was like, "I love your movies. I like the music you put in your movies." And he goes, "Oh, great!" And they started talking about music. He said, "You know, five, ten minutes, whatever it was." So he was just extremely nice and what you would expect him to right. be in a motor mouth. He he is a motor mouth. He, uh, but uh, the That's- thing that struck me about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I do think that this is in all of his other movies, but there's so much heart in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, did yes. you did you catch, you know, there's this real kind of beating heart. And I, and I mean, like, like heart, like emotion. in yeah. this. Yeah, I definitely did. I feel like there was. um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? There's kind of I don't know if struggle is the right word that you can mm-hmm. feel through this or change. You can feel that emotion of people growing. Change is the big theme of this movie for me. Yeah, you can you can feel that emotionally. Through this. Because the industry at that time, the history of Hollywood, it was changing mm-hmm. at that time because there's a reference in this movie to Dennis Hopper at the end of the movie when uh, when Leonardo DiCaprio as Rick Dalton accosts the hippies, uh, the Manson <laughs> family, and he says, uh, hey, Dennis Hopper, you know, get that car out of here. And uh, Dennis Hopper did uh, Easy Rider that changed the industry. That was a game changer. The studio system was breaking down. Then they went into these kind of more personal movies, you know, and then you get the 70s with The Godfather. And then uh, that eventually leads into something like Star Wars. So, I mean, the industry was changed. So this is a huge time of change in this industry. You see it through Rick Dalton, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's that's what's great. But the town is also changing, too, because one generation is going away. Another generation is coming in. Do you think because in this movie, it's the baby boomers uh, greatest generation Mm -hmm. And well, actually, it's the greatest generation. Then, kind of meeting the baby boomers, the flower child, you know, the right. flower power, and all that is is what they're coming to a head here. Do you think Quentin was saying something about the times that we're living in today with Gen X and the millennials, and I don't know what what else, you know, what other generation is out right. there? But uh, <laughs> do you think he's saying something about that? I can see that. Yeah. What do you think? I do. I think there's something, and, a, and another friend of mine pointed out, he says, man, I really think he's talking about millennials and, and you know, the, the changing of the guard. And I didn't really put that together 
you know, until after he said that. And, and I'm still kind of working that out in my head, but I do think he's saying something about it. Let me say this. I definitely think it's there. I don't know what he's saying right. about it. I don't know where he's falling on that. Right. Um, but I definitely, I definitely changes is the big moving, you mm-hmm. know, uh, uh, lever of this of right. this film um quentin always has some wonderful influences uh he talked about the influences on this movie he um he hosted i think 10 movies on some network you know the swinging 60s marathon of different movies now one of the movies that didn't get mentioned and it's, it's a 70s film i found this to have a huge american graffiti vibe mm-hmm. did you catch a graffiti vibe because i haven't seen anyone else talk about the influence of American graffiti on this film. Did you see it? I did. I did see it. What did you, what was the... The sound design mm-hmm. with the radios because, um, and yes. listeners, if you haven't seen American Graffiti, watch that movie immediately, please. <laughs> uh, George Lucas is a genius and it's it's maybe his masterpiece. I know everybody says Star Wars. American Graffiti is just as good, if not better, than Star Wars. The sound design with the radios, the way that the culture is changing, and this movie is... 1969 is when it takes place. Mm-hmm. American Graffiti takes place in 1962 and was made in 1973. So it's like right in that era, you know, yeah. when, and American Graffiti is about the times changing. So I haven't heard anyone else say, you know, the hmm. American Graffiti influence, but I immediately I can, I caught it like it. 15, 20 minutes in. I went, this is graffiti. Well, and I, George it, Lucas, that's the movie about his youth. Mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino, this is a movie about the time he was growing up in. So I'm going, this is, this is that movie. Like, you know, it's, it's different, but right. it's the same idea. And they're both California and, and all that. True. And, and cars kind of play yes. into it. So <laughs> have you seen any other influences that people are talking about? He cited some, and I'm going to be honest, they were uh, European films that uh, I, I not was not with. very familiar with. Now, some of the movies, he was talking about from from that time I was familiar with like Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice and certain other ones, but uh, as far as like he said there was a French director and I cannot remember who he said in the interview, but I did not immediately recognize that. But to me, I was like, this is American graffiti, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you're out there listening, if you've seen American graffiti and haven't seen this, when you watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, please. Keep that in mind. See if I'm. I don't think I'm too far off base. I don't think with so because you had texted me before I watched it that you you got that vibe, and me want you know going into it afterwards. I definitely yeah. got that vibe. From and it. he he did mention that the radio, you know, uh, Los Angeles being an AM radio town, you know, played into it, you know, with having the radio going mm-hmm. the entire time. So it, again, there's so many things, and maybe he didn't know that he was yeah. you know, being directly <laughs> influenced, but I can see it all over it. Um, Let's talk about the story here. So the story centers on Rick Dalton, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. He is a former Western actor. He had a series in the 50s, early 60s called Faith. What was it called? It was called Bounty Law. Yep. <laughs> Bounty Law, where he played Jake Cahill, Bounty Hunter, and his friend Cliff Booth, played by Brad Pitt, uh, was his stunt double. They are kind of trying to find their way yes. you know in 1969 <laughs> rick is doing guest spots he's kind of losing it as a leading man he's mm-hmm. not in demand as a leading man he's doing a lot of guest starring roles on on tv shows that's kind of the framework for it because this movie like a seinfeld episode is about that but it's not about that right. <laughs> you know and then you have the uh the manson family uh, plays into this and they're out at the george spawn movie ranch and you get to see the flower children. And then uh, we're going to get into it in just a minute. Uh, the ending of this movie is very interesting. But um, 
what did you think of the story here? What did you think of Rick Dalton's story? Because uh, apparently he got this right, Quentin Tarantino. Now, Rick Dalton uh, is kind of sort of based on Burt Reynolds in a way. The relationship between Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth is based on uh, Burt Reynolds and Hal Needham, uh, his stunt double who went on to direct Smoking the Bandit. So what did you think of the dynamic between these two guys? I loved it. I, I love the story that you have just between them two, but then how it kind of intertwines with the rest of the movie to right. get to that ending. Right. You know, I mean, it kind of makes sense when it kind of comes around. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? But I love the story. I don't know. It, as soon as it came on, I was instantly hooked to the, t- hooked yeah. to the TV. So we can't talk about Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth without talking about the two guys who inhabit their skins, and uh, that is Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Faith, you you are a Leonardo DiCaprio fan, aren't you? I am. Uh, what do you like about Leo? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. He's always just kind of stood out for me. Ever since I was little, I've liked him. I don't know what it is. He's just kind of different. I don't know. I was around for the ascension of both of these guys, and I kind of held a little bit of a grudge against them just because they were the pretty boys, you know, and and I'm a, I was biased. I'm going to admit, you know, I was like, oh, they're pretty boys. There's no substance to these two guys. Right. Well, it turns out there was a lot of substance <laughs> to these guys, and I was wrong and will freely admit that I was wrong. I like Leonardo DiCaprio. I like him in this. Mm-hmm. I think he does a great job of capturing the uh, kind of bipolar nature of Rick Dalton, if you want to describe him as bipolar, but he's sensitive and he's having a midlife crisis and everything that he knows (laughs) is kind of going by the wayside. And, but with that said, as heavy as all that is, it's very funny. It is. Very, very funny. Um, He's great. He's wonderful in this movie, but Mm -hmm. I believe that uh, if there's any justice in the world, they're going to give an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor to Brad Pitt as Cliff yeah. Booth. What did you think of uh, Brad Pitt in this movie? Because I think, and I'm a fan of his, mm-hmm. uh, I think his best performance is in possibly Moneyball, which is a wonderful movie. But I think this is the best he's ever been on screen. I think everything he can do as an actor is in this role. Yeah, I agree. I think he he's kind of a different person. You know, he kind of seems a little different than usual. Do you agree? He, you made a great point. You said he was uh, kind of channeling his inner Matthew McConaughey. Yes. And I was catching that, you know, that kind of laid back vibe yes. that he has. He's very happy with where he's at. Mm-hmm. And he's very happy taking care of Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Rick Dalton. And he is extremely funny in this movie. He really is. He steals this movie. He does. He's, I mean, he steals, steals this movie. It. And there's a lot of great people in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the notes I have here, the supporting cast, you have Al Pacino, Kurt Russell, Zoe Bell, the stunt woman, pops up. Uh, uh, Lena Dunham, I'm not a huge fan, but Lena Dunham is in this movie. Uh, uh, Rumor Willis. Rumor um, Willis, uh, our old friend uh, Maya Hawk from yes. Stranger Things pops up in it. A uh, lot of great, great, great people in this movie. And Brad Pitt just steals the entire thing from, from everybody. He really does. So there is one other... Uh, character that we need to talk about. Margot Robbie plays mm-hmm. Sharon Tate. What did you know about Sharon Tate before this? Because I, I, unfortunately, people seem to only remember her for one thing. Right. But I kind of knew about her whole story, kind of, somewhat, going into this, just because I've always been interested in the story of her. So I've kind yeah. of, you know, known about her before all that happened. And um, I don't know, I was really interested to see how Margot would play her. I think she did so good. She was like 
sunshine. <laughs> like an angel. She was. She was like an angel. And uh, we're going to get to the end of this in a second. And there will be spoilers. I, I will let you know when there's going to be spoilers. And we're, we're trying to keep it spoiler free. But we could tell you things about this movie. You still need to see it. Right. Oh, yeah. To really, to really catch it. I think Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate is amazing. She is. She's amazing. And Sharon's sister, Deborah, got on board with this. And she uh, gave them some of her jewelry and clothes. That's so really cool. Margot Robbie is wearing some of Sharon Tate's, uh, uh, you know, jewelry yeah. and clothes in the movie. And Sharon actually makes an appearance in the movie because she goes to mm-hmm. see her movie, The Wrecking Crew, and they didn't film that with Margot. They nope. let Sharon be in the movie. And what a tragedy that this is. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. Um, so uh, one other final thing before we get into the spoilers. What do you think of the production? Because they this felt like 1969, didn't it? It really did. It felt newer but not new <laughs> if that makes yeah. any sense at all right i think it it did look like the 60s it had those pretty colors it popped i think it was gorgeous same here same here uh it, everything about this is yeah. fantastic uh as you would expect from quentin tarantino yeah. it's fantastic okay let's get into it so there will be spoilers from here on out so if you haven't seen the movie get out but please come, come back. back afterwards <laughs> um the ending to this movie the Manson family plays into this, and the Manson family uh, goes to, they're going to Sharon Tate's house mm-hmm. to uh, kill her and her friends. And history takes a different course, doesn't it? It um, does. She lives next door to Rick Dalton, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, and they're going out, and Rick accosts them in the driveway because their car is loud. He's making margaritas. And it's louder he, than the blender. It's <laughs> louder than the blender, and he wants him to leave. And then they decide that because Rick Dalton played Jake Cahill on this bounty law show, that's where they learn how to kill, and they're going to go kill the ones who taught them how to kill and make this, you know, send this message. And can, I, so, can I interrupt you for just a yes. second about that? I know. See if you if this makes any sense. Do you think they started the movie talking about his movies and showing that he was killing people in some of his movies to come to that at the end? Possibly, yeah. That's what I was Possibly, thinking. Possibly, yeah. That there was like, like that was the reason why, and they showed us. There's another snippets. reason too that we'll get to in a second, <laughs> uh, because there's a uh, the checkoff thing about a gun. If you introduce a gun in Act One, you have to fire the gun in Act Three. Well, this movie, they introduce a flamethrower in Act One, and you have to fire the flamethrower <laughs> in Act Three. But um, history takes a different turn. So instead of going to kill Sharon Tate and her friends, they decide to go kill uh, Rick Dalton and, and his bunch and Faith. What happens? <laughs> well, Cliff Booth is uh, high on an acid cigarette, yeah. if you will. <laughs> and they bust into the house, and uh, he, he takes them out, and the dog. Yes, his dog, uh, Mandy? Brandy. Brandy. Brandy, Brandy. <laughs> yes. Brandy, his pit bull. Brandy. take them out one by yes, one. Yes, <laughs> one by one, gruesomely. Yes. And Rick Dalton finishes off one of them with the flamethrower yes. from the 14 Fists of McCluskey, the movie <laughs> that he was in. Um, what'd you think of the ending, the alternate, the alternate history? Because he did this in Inglorious Bastards, and he kind of tips his hand with the flamethrower because Hitler burns up in Inglorious Bastards. What do you think of the alternate history? I was actually not expecting it, and I loved that they did that. Because this is a fairy tale, is mm-hmm. it not? Because this is Once Upon a Time. In Hollywood. Hollywood, yeah, exactly. And uh, I already forgot what I was going to say. What was I going to say? It surprised you. That, but oh, I was going to say this is 
probably one of my favorite endings of a movie in a long time. Why? Why was? Why is this one of your favorites? I and I have a reason why it's one of my favorites. I just like this little twist to it because I don't know. It's just it's different. I wasn't expecting it, and I like when I don't expect stuff. And I like the catharsis of seeing them get the shit beat out of Me them too. because you know what? <laughs> they, they deserve, deserve it. it. They deserve it. Those pieces of shit deserve every bit yep. of what they give them in that movie and more. And I was just about to say it. And more. Um, yeah, I didn't see it coming, and boy, am I glad he went there. It was amazing, wasn't it? It was. Absolutely amazing. Um, what do you think this says, ultimately? Do you, think, do you think it says something about movie violence and movies in general? You know, movies can give you a happy ending because they talk about Walt Disney during this movie and fairy tales. So. I think that's it. I think just for a minute that you get the happy ending. But going back to what I was saying earlier, it makes me even more upset that it happened, that this awful, awful right? thing happened. And did you did you get that vibe? Oh, of course. I mean, that's that's some sick people, you know? I mean. Yeah. It's like when uh, The People versus O.J. Simpson was on, and I had a great time watching that miniseries. And at the end, they showed the pictures of uh, Ron Goldman and Nicole Brown, and you forget that two people died. And in the uh, fun of seeing the uh, Manson family Mm -hmm. get the shit kicked out of them, ever-loving shit kicked out of them, uh, you forget that Sharon Tate and her friends really died. And what did you think of the end? Because he goes over, Rick Dalton goes over and sees... Sharon, and wasn't it kind of like him going to heaven and meeting the angels? Yes. You know? (laughs) Did did you get a little goosebumps? I did. Goosebumpy over? Because I did. I did. And he hugs her at the end. And and I'm I'm, I'm getting a little emotional thinking about it because they're alive in this movie, in this alternative reality. They're alive, and it's it's beautiful and and awesome. I know. That's definitely not how I expected it to end at all. It's a fairy tale. It's a fairy tale. A violent so, fairy tale. Very violent. <laughs> not as violent as you think, but yeah, it goes. No, not it as does violent, get there. But you know, again, I think it was necessary violence. Yeah. But still violent. Did you have a? I know there's too many to mention here, but uh, did you have a favorite moment from the movie? Oh man, there really are. I mean, the scene with the Manston family in Cliff Booth yeah. is definitely up there. Yeah. The scene with uh, with Rick in his trailer cussing himself out about the whiskey yeah. sours and not remembering his lines. Yeah. There's a lot. It's it's great. All of this is really wonderful. It's a, yeah, it's a really well done movie. It's uh, two hours and forty one minutes, and uh, the only knock I can make on it is that it ends. Exactly. <laughs> I was ready for it to just keep going. I was too. <laughs> I almost feel like he could do a sequel with these people, and he's yeah. never done a sequel. And he says he's going to end at ten movies. So <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. He's got one more left, but uh, I love it. This is a wonderful movie. I think it's a wonderful addition. To the Quentin Tarantino filmography, uh, it gets my highest recommendation. Mine and, too. And we, you know, we just had to do it here on the show and oh, just yeah. tell you about it because we enjoyed it. We and enjoyed I've, it so I've heard much. nothing bad about this movie. Everyone who's seen it, yeah, they rave about it. So yeah. I was really looking forward to seeing it. And I'm glad too that Charlie Manson only appears in this movie for about 30 seconds. Right. He doesn't give that bastard any more due nope. than is coming to him. You just kind of are aware. That he's there exactly. so you can make the connection that it's his people mm-hmm. and that's it. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love when they call them the hippies. I love <laughs> when they call them goddamn hippies. That that to me is, makes the movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. There's just so much goodness in this. <laughs> and you're right. There's goodness in this movie. There's yeah. absolute goodness. And yeah. I think the world's a better place for having Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. In it. I think and so too. Seriously, if there's any justice in this world give brad pitt that oscar right 
now. And you, you know that says a lot, too, because we're not people who no, we're really not. care about awards, but no, he's that good. He's that good in it. He yeah. steals every minute he's in this movie. And give uh, uh, Brandy his uh, Pitbull <laughs> an award as well. Faith, do you have anything else you would like to add about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I think that's it. I think that's all I got. Two enthusiastic thumbs up on this side. Please watch this movie. It's available digitally now. It will be out on DVD uh, very shortly, first two weeks of December, I believe. It's it's worth your time. And block off time to watch it yes. and really get immersed in this because it really blew me away. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, I'm ready to watch it again. I am too. I am too. Well, Faith, should we tell them to keep their pit bull on a leash? We should. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we want you to keep Keep your your pit bull bull on on a leash. leash. We'll see you on the other side.